We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where we've got these lovely, uh, short, direct, sweet exhortations to what a worship service should be like uh, in church. And we're looking at the first one. We started it last Sunday evening, and I didn't get to finish. Uh, Five points, we did two last Sunday. We'll go through the three uh, following points tonight. Two words, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, two words, rejoice always. Rejoice always. The first two points were, we are to rejoice in duties. Uh, Paul, before verse 16, has been going through uh, some of the things that we, not just as pastor and elders, but as members should be doing. We are all involved in the work of the gospel, in the work of building one another up. And whether we are in the pulpit or whether we're uh, standing at the door or making the teas and the coffees, we are to rejoice in the Lord. Such a powerful witness when people see that. And then, secondly, we're to rejoice not just in duties, but in difficulties. Because in exhorting us uh, to pastor uh, certain people, uh, Paul has talked about uh, evil and tribulations. And to me, this is the power of Christianity. What enables a person to still rejoice when things are not going well, uh, that uh, proves the reality of this wonderful thing called Christianity. It's not a religion, is it? It's a relationship with Jesus Christ that doesn't go away. Now, the next point, and this is important, we're commanded to rejoice. Paul isn't giving us an option here. Rejoice always. Now, I said last Sunday evening, we're not very good as Reformed evangelicals at rejoicing. Uh, Some believers in other constituencies of the church put us to shame uh, when it comes to this whole area. But we need to remember that God does command us to rejoice. Uh, I've mentioned Spurgeon's sermon on uh, this verse, and we know Spurgeon was as sound as anything. Uh, He was a godly man, so we're not thinking of somebody now uh, who was uh, wild. Uh, Spurgeon. I have known many deeply spiritual Christian people who've been afraid to rejoice. Is that us, I wonder? Some take such a view of religion that it is to them a sacred duty to be gloomy. One of the commandments of the saints of misery, this is Virgin now, right? One of the commandments of the saints of misery is never smile during a service. 
Another precept, never rest, never rest. And never let anyone else rest. Go through the world and impress people with the idea that it is an awful thing to live. It is wicked to be glad. Now that's Spurgeon. Andy was sharing with us in the vestry this morning how delightful it was to be involved in the CU mission and to see the zeal of the students. Do you remember when you were first converted? Many of us were converted as students. Do you remember that simple desire that you had just to serve the Lord? Uh, or maybe when people are converted or make a profession of faith in church. And some of us, well, what do we say? Give them time. Not, oh, happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Savior and my God. We shake our heads and say, give them time. Give them time. Time for what? Time for them to be infected by this disease of rejoicelessness. I'm being tongue-in-cheek, but there is a point. What does the Lord say? How did we start our service? Does the Lord say, groan in the Lord, always? And again I say, groan. We know the reformed groan, don't we? It's not the same as the groanings of the Spirit. No, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So it is a command to rejoice. What's the flip side of that? Well, it's quite frightening. It's a sin not to rejoice. It's a respectable sin not to rejoice. Now, I had some people say to me after last Sunday evening, does that mean then, Pastor, that we're always to be happy? No. Paul isn't saying, be happy always. That's not natural, is it? And in another place, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Rejoicing always is not the same as always having a smile on our faces. You rejoice through the tears. Rejoicing is an attitude, but it is a command. It is a command. What's the opposite of rejoicing? Let's label sin as sin. The opposite of rejoicing is discontentment, isn't it? And that, that is wrong. It's not right. So rejoice. Because God is God. Because the Lord is King. And because He's created you. He's made you. 
in order to worship him. That's why Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. The animals didn't have that capacity. And yet, isn't it right to say that the creation worships God? I'm not a morning person, so I'm never up for the dawn chorus. Have you heard the dawn chorus? Aren't they worshipping the Lord? But we have every reason to rejoice. Uh, we sang it last Sunday evening. The sorrows of the mind be banished from the place religion never was designed to make our pleasures less. Let those refuse to sing that never knew our God, but children of the heavenly King may speak their joys abroad. Christian, you are commanded to rejoice, whether you feel like it or not. It's not the same as being on the spiritual mountaintop all the time. I can rejoice when I'm down in the depths as well. But it is a command. Let us repent of our respectable sins. We're very good at pointing the finger and becoming the moral police when it comes to the ways our society are abandoning God's commands. And there is a right thing uh, there. We must speak out. But let us realize that we always fall short of God's commands as well in more respectable ways. So it's a command. The next point. It's not said here in 1 Thessalonians 5, but it's certainly implied. And in Philippians, which is a later letter, it's developed. It's rejoicing in the Lord, isn't it? This is the key, I think, that opens this whole vista of rejoicing. It's rejoicing in the Lord. What does that mean? Let's open this up a bit. It's not rejoicing in circumstances. Through all the changing scenes of life, where are you in that? In trouble? Is that you? Or in joy? You don't rejoice in those extremes of circumstances. That's our tendency. When things are going well, we get carried away with it and we are happy. And there is nothing wrong with being happy when things are going well. But we're not rejoicing in the fact that things are going well. We're rejoicing in the Lord who is showering us with his good gifts. And then when things are going bad, we tend to think, ah, God must be against me. And I can't rejoice. But instead, we need to remind ourselves, when through the deep waters I go, he is still beside me. And I will rejoice in him, even in trouble. So it's got nothing to do with circumstances. You don't have to be a Welshman to be up and down. Circumstances change. Feelings change. Our bodies change. Health, wealth, success, they're all, in the end, uncertain. If our rejoicing depended on how things were going round about us, we would never be able to obey this command to rejoice always, would we? 
But if our focus is on one who is unchanging, and that's God, God the Father, the Father of lights in whom there is neither variableness nor shadow of turning, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Focus on him, and you will keep up rejoicing. I've used this illustration before, going on a fishing trip on boys' camp in the middle of St. Bride's Bay, not the Atlantic Ocean, but the waters were choppy. Well, that's what the people at uh, the fishing uh, trip depot called it, but to me it was like a scene from the perfect storm. Our little vessel and the waves all around it, I couldn't uh, look uh, at others on the boats because they were turning green. I couldn't look at the sea because it was going up and down. I looked at the land and it was stable. Look at the Lord. If you're unstable at the moment because circumstances are up and down, if your little cage is being rattled, you can still rejoice by looking to the Lord. So rejoicing in the Lord doesn't mean rejoicing in circumstances. What else? It doesn't mean fanaticism. Now, what is uh, being fanatic? Well, some people, uh, they have a certain temperament which causes them to be very uh, outward and uh, the animal spirits, as it were, is very much involved in their rejoicing. When we're rejoicing in the Lord, it's a spiritual activity we are involved in. Uh, incidentally, it's only those who've been born of the Spirit that can really rejoice. Uh, as I said to the children this morning, if you're spiritually dead, can a dead thing rejoice? Of course it can't. And even people who have nominal Christianity like I was brought up with, who are just religious. They're not really rejoicing, are they? I didn't start rejoicing in the Lord until the Lord opened my eyes to see the truth as it was in Jesus Christ. And then, how everything changed. I thought everything around me had changed, but it hadn't. I had changed. I thought that the services had suddenly got more interesting. But it wasn't that. It was the new life that was in me. That was making the sermon and the hymns and the reading more meaningful. So it's only something that those who've been spiritually made alive can do. But we must be careful that it's not our... I don't want to use the word carnal because it can have sinful connotations. That it's not our animal, natural parts that do the rejoicing. Uh, I'm so glad we've uh, got clips of you, Andy, now uh, in the porch. Instead of me, I, I can relax standing in the porch. And I've noticed the photo behind you of Evan Roberts, mightily used of God in the 0405 revival. But some of the fire in the 0405 revival was a bit carnal, wasn't it? Evan Roberts was a bit unstable. He, he did have a breakdown 
after the revival. He, he was going a bit in his own, uh, I, I don't want to say own strength because it wasn't, but it, it, it was the animal spirit part of us. Uh, if you think of other examples, let me give you this example. Uh, a number of years ago, there was what was called uh, the next outpouring of the Spirit in South Wales. Did any of you hear about that? It was happening in Southeast Wales a few years ago, and they were advertising it as the next outpouring of the Spirit after the 0405 revival. Now, I'm interested in hearing about things like that. So myself and another person from this church, we went to one of these meetings to see if this was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And lo and behold, what we found were well-meaning Christians, really believers, but they were trying to work themselves up into a frenzy. And I can remember halfway through the meeting, and this is true, they were doing the Congo around the room. And they thought that they were rejoicing in the Lord, but it wasn't. It was just well-meaning Christians getting excited in terms of their animal spirits. So it's not the same as fanaticism, rejoicing in the Lord. And I don't want you to think I'm having a go at Evan Roberts or the good folk who were advertising the next outpouring of the Spirit, because all of our rejoicing is going to be tainted to a degree, isn't it? But let us remember, we mustn't bawl, as uh, we have in the uh, preface of Christian hymns. Was it Wesley who gave the instructions to his people? Don't bawl. D don't force yourself when you're rejoicing. Yes, we're to rejoice. And yes, it's to involve our whole being. But it's not carnal. It's spiritual. And then this rejoicing is constant. It's constant. So it doesn't depend on whether we are blessed or not. Uh, to, to give some examples, Paul is commanding us here to rejoice always. Well, Paul had experiences. Remember when he wrote to the Corinthians about being lifted to the third heaven? Wouldn't you like to have such an experience? And you would definitely rejoice if that was to happen. But Paul was still rejoicing when he didn't have that experience. Uh, Peter, James, and John, the three closest disciples to Jesus Christ, they once uh, went with him to the top of the Mount of Transfiguration, and they held, beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He was transfigured before them. What a wonderful experience to have. And I'm sure they rejoiced, although in Peter's case there was a little carnal thing in there wasn't there but they were not meant to be staying up on the mountaintop they had to come down into the valley to serve the uh, needy and they were to still rejoice down in the valley as well as in the mountaintop uh, Evan Roberts was involved in a mighty awakening in 1904-05 and this church has got an emphasis, rightly so, on praying for another awakening. And I'd be the first to rejoice if that was to happen. 
But my friend, you've still got to rejoice even if there isn't another revival because we're commanded to. And actually, our lack of rejoicing may grieve the spirits. Rejoice always, even when things are not going well. Even if it's a time of spiritual dearth, rejoice. If there was not to be another revival in Wales, what would we do? We would keep on preaching, keep on praying, keep on witnessing, keep on living holy lives, and keep on rejoicing. Why? Because God is still where he's always been on the throne. And because Jesus Christ is still my Lord and my Savior. And what a wonderful testimony that is to rejoice even when the tide is out. And then lastly, rejoice until you rejoice. So how do I rejoice? <laughs> uh, there was a Puritan who uh, said in terms of prayer, you don't feel like praying, pray until you pray. You don't feel like rejoicing, rejoice until you rejoice. Don't put off rejoicing because you're not in the mood for it. So how can I rejoice until I rejoice? Well, look at the Psalms. Uh, a number of the Psalms are called the Psalms of Ascents because the psalmist starts at the bottom, often in the depths, and then by the end of the psalm, he's climbed up to the spiritual mountaintop. So the psalmist has rejoiced. He started somewhere, even if he was down, until he rejoiced. Bless the Lord, O my soul, Psalm 103, and all that in me is. So how do I start rejoicing? Well, I stir myself up to do it. Do you say, well, God is sovereign? Yes, he is. Uh, so I can't do anything until he blesses me. Hang on. God is sovereign. Does that mean uh, that because all you have needed, thy hand hath provided, that you don't go to Tesco's? Who in their right mind would use the sovereignty of God in providence uh, to sit at home and not do anything in terms of going out to work, going shopping? The fact that God is in complete control and has promised to provide for our needs it means that we do go out, doesn't it? And it's the same with rejoicing. Yes, we pray for a greater blessing, but that doesn't mean we should put off rejoicing until that happens. Join David. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Stir yourself up. Uh, you remember the old pumps? You would prime the pump to get the water to come up. You've got to prime your hearts to get the spiritual juices Going. So how do I begin? Well, starts around you. Counts. Come on, what is the chorus? Counts. Your many blessings. Name them 
one by one. Very well then, let's, let's do that. Uh, we, we've got a roof over our heads. Uh, some of our missionaries, the people they are serving, don't always have roofs over their heads, do they? Uh, think of the Jovans in Haiti and the earthquakes that they've had recently there. We've got food on our table. We, I know it's difficult financially for some of you, but relatively speaking, we are comfortable. And that's not the case for many of our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. John Orchard has just come back from India. Uh, he was ministering in the north and in Nepal. Uh, I'm uh, more used to Andhra Pradesh. We would minister there to pastors who would walk from Orissa. And on the border between Andhra Pradesh and Orissa, you've got pastors who have uh, quite a bit of grief from militant Hindus. What do I mean, I mean by that? I mean, uh, they'll have their houses burned down. Have, have you ever had that happen? Uh, once when we were over there, we heard of a pastor that was shot dead by militants. We don't experience that, do we? So begin where you're at. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. So start with the temporal blessings. That's what we call these things. And then move on to the spiritual blessings. And when you think about these things as I'm winding down... Uh, what can I say? Uh, I've already quoted from great is thy faithfulness. Listen to this. Pardon for sin. Wow. That Jesus Christ on the cross bore my sin in his own body on the tree. So that even though I am born a condemned hell-bound sinner, I am now under no condemnation and going to heaven. Hallelujah. I, I've got a hope. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today. Bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine and 10,000 beside. So even when the temporal blessings are not all there, I've got spiritual blessings that are immovable. And actually, uh, a number of our brethren in uh, difficulties, in uh, persecution... They are just so blessed in the spiritual blessings because they are driven to the Lord. We're too comfortable, aren't we? Woe to them who are at ease in Zion. And then you may be in a state of mind where you're just not able to rejoice. People who are suffering from the sorrows of the mind. Listen, oh love that will not let me go. You can still rejoice. I rest my weary soul in thee. Augustus Top Lady said this, Sweet to lie passive in thy hand, O God, and know no will but thine. Uh, there are times, like uh, Paul O'Brien when he was taken ill, all you can do is lie in God's hands. And let me tell you, those are blessed times. When, when God removes all the props, when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. 
I say those times are the times when we rejoice the most. We may not look as if we're rejoicing, but in our hearts, we are really rejoicing. Some of you know that much more than I do. And then to finish, Paul is writing here, not just to individual Christians, but to the church, to the corporate people of God. We're to rejoice together. Why do we gather twice on a Sunday? It's not because of tradition. This is the church. We are the gathered people of God. This is what we call the means of grace. A gospel service in the morning, more teaching Sunday evening, prayer uh, midweek. This is the raison d'etre of the church. And why don't we just stay at home? Why do we gather together? Because God has given us this ordinance so that we can encourage one another. May we do that, brothers and sisters. Uh, may uh, we lift our hearts up to the Lord. But how can we lift our hearts to the Lord if we don't lift our voices up to the Lord? And I do think that there's something in David's exhortation. All that in me is, bless his holy name. Now, we're not thinking of fanaticism. We're not thinking of something forced. But surely... If we are rejoicing in the Lord and stirring ourselves up to do it, we are going to be rejoicing the whole person. It's right, isn't it? You can say by a person's demeanor if they're serious. You, you don't have to be waving your hands or clapping uh, to be uh, rejoicing uh, in this way. But just to be uh, serious, not in a doer way, but in the things of God, this is the highlight of my week, to come to God's house, to praise him, not on my own, but with my brothers and sisters. What greater privilege than that? Do we encourage one another as we gather together, or do we drag ourselves down? We're prone to that in Wales, aren't we? Especially if you put a group of ministers together on a Monday morning, we're doomed. No, we're not. No, we're not. Not with the Saviour at the right hand of the Father. We will rejoice. May we rejoice as we gather together. That, that, that's what we're all uh, here for, in a way. We're here to lift one another up uh, so that the name of our Saviour is held on high uh, that, that's what Brian is seeking to do on the organ. He's seeking to lift us up in the singing and the other organists as well. Uh, that's why myself, Andy and Nathan leading the worship, uh, we're seeking to lead us into the presence of Almighty God. And may we just know a time of rejoicing because our Saviour is most worthy. Uh, may he draw near to us as we seek to draw near to him. Let's sing now in closing. Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet, thy tributes bring. Ransomed, hear our spiritual blessings. Ransomed, healed, restored, <coughs> forgiven. Who like thee, who like 
you his praise should sing. Praise him. Praise him. Let us do that. Number 30.
Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, though the labour of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Father, we do rejoice and may us here as a people be those who are just renowned for their rejoicing. Lord, we just thank thee that we have a God who is so good, temporally, but especially in spiritual blessings. And for all the way that we've been led, we are able to say this evening, Father, Jesus doeth all things well. We wouldn't have it any other way, and we rejoice in thee, even through the tears. And now may that grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forever when we will be rejoicing perfectly and without end. Amen.